state. Your team. Your show. This is Sports Nightly. Farrell, the tight end in motion. Fields gets the snap, gives it off to Sermon. Hit by JoJo Doman and brought down. He's short of the first down. It'll be fourth down. Doman fired off the edge and knocked down Sermon short of the stick. Sports Nightly is presented by the NDOT Highway Safety Office, who reminds you to buckle up and put the phone down. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Here we are on election night. Sports Nightly rolling right along. Hope you had a good day today. Hope you got out and voted. If you haven't, you still have time. Polls open in Nebraska until 8 o'clock tonight. And for our friends in the Mountain Time Zone, you got plenty of time, right? Plenty of time to get out there and cast your ballot. It's one of the great things about living in this country, the ability to go do that. Husker athletes were given the day off today. No football practice, no basketball practice for the purpose of allowing athletes to get out and cast their ballots. So love that. Love that it was a teaching moment for everybody to kind of learn about how this all works and the importance of taking advantage of our democracy and casting your ballots. So no practice report tonight. We would normally have that on a Tuesday of a football game week, but no practice report tonight because there was no practice today. So everything that would happen today will happen tomorrow. We'll have a full, full-blown practice report tomorrow night uh, with coaches, uh, Multiple coaches talking after practice tomorrow as the Oscars get ready for the trip to Evanston, Illinois, to take on the Northwestern Wildcats in a game. Our phone lines are open for you. They're always available for you. It's your show, right? 531-500-4686. Or you can shoot us a text at that very same number, 531-500-4686. That is our U.S. Cellular text line brought to you by... U.S. Cellular, proud to be the official wireless sponsor of the Huskers. U.S. Cellular, connecting Husker athletics. All right, here's what we have coming up this hour. Evan Bland of the Omaha World-Herald will join us. He uh, covers Husker football and Husker baseball as well. We'll, we'll, we'll focus almost uh, totally on the football team as they're getting ready for this second straight road trip, this one to Northwestern on Saturday. His thoughts about what he saw in the opener for Nebraska and that loss to Ohio State and what needs to happen for Nebraska to give him a chance to get a victory on Saturday against uh, the Cats on the north side. So, uh, Austin, you you had it in the ticker. The big story of the day is out of Madison, uh, Wisconsin. Barry Alvarez was on ESPN Game Day on Saturday where he updated everybody then and said they would make a decision on to by Tuesday on whether to play their game this week against the Purdue Boilermakers. And it came out about seven hours ago that they have canceled the game. Football activities remain paused, so they're not meeting, they're not practicing, uh, and that active cases have gone up by five since Saturday, up to 27 now with 15 of those being players, 12 of them being staff members. And that, that doesn't necessarily mean coaches. That could be... Managers, trainers, doctors, obviously can include coaches as well. Could be, you know, those offense or defensive analysts uh, that that are uh, have the virus at this point in time. We talked with Adam Rittenberg last night of ESPN.com, and he was hearing positive news yesterday and really thought that Wisconsin would play on the, uh, this weekend's game against the Purdue Boilermakers. I get, and I talked to some folks earlier this morning kind of had the same feeling or how surprised were you with this decision from from Madison today 
Uh, I wasn't quite as sold on Wisconsin being a, a for sure go, but you know, I, I thought they were going to play. I mean, especially with only an eight-game season, I think they would have done everything in their power to try to get this game in. And unfortunately, Wisconsin did get positive news, just the negative kind of positive news with COVID. I, it's a bummer. You hate to see them lose another game, especially for you know, a Big Ten West game that would have been against Purdue. I'm, I'm surprised. I think that, you know, that's now a quarter of their season gone. They have to play the rest of their games if they want any shot in the division. But obviously, if the, the cases keep rising, they, they have to make the call by the rules the Big Ten laid out. Sure do. And what does this do for the future of this season for the Badgers? I mean, those 15 student-athletes, are now in that 21-day hole. Uh, some of them have further are further along than other. Graham Mertz, who's the quarterback, was the first one we heard about this thing. Apparently, he got tested the Saturday after their opening game, and I, you know, so he. I think there's some hope that he could maybe play next Saturday. Now that would be day 22. So, <laughs> I guess he could play Austin without practicing or being a part of any team activities. Until kickoff, which seems a, a little odd to me. I, I just, I, I'm, I'm a little, I'm starting to get a little bit of a feeling here that maybe Wisconsin's done. I, I don't know. Maybe that's extreme, but uh, I, I doubt they completely roll the carpet up for the season and turn in the pads. But, man, this is getting serious for them. This is game two that they've now had to cancel. They're down to only being able to compete in six games. Absolutely, and that six-game mark is what the Big Ten said they need to be eligible for the division crown. Right now they've only played yep. – the one game, obviously Purdue and Northwestern have played both of theirs. They've won both of them are the two teams that Wisconsin's looking up against. So if Wisconsin does have too many players out and they can only get a maximum of five games in, I think it'll be fascinating to see which way that institution goes. Do they give their players the opportunity to play if they get healthy, even if there's nothing like a Big Ten West Division title on the line? Is that enough for Wisconsin to say, yeah, uh, roll the ball out, go play? Or do they, you know, like you said, pack it all up, go home, sorry guys, stuff happens. I would like to think they give their kids the opportunity to play, given all the consternation and work that went into even getting this season going in the first place. But I think we'll, we'll learn a lot about Wisconsin in these next few weeks, especially if they're right on that borderline. Right. Apparently, somebody who's done the math on this, and obviously smarter about this than I am, says they're still not in the red-red, even with these numbers that they've released today, that they're still in that red-slash-orange category. The red-red is when you absolutely have to shut her down. The red-orange, it's still your call. And so here again, Wisconsin making the call. And I'm trying to, I was trying to do some searching this afternoon. What, what's the latest with Illinois? I mean, Il- Illinois had, I think, about a dozen guys mm-hmm. sitting out in their game against Purdue on Saturday. Now, only a couple of those were positive. The other ones were contact tracing. And because they were around some of those players, they had to be sure they were okay. But it's really been quiet with the Illinois, and they're supposed to host Minnesota on Saturday. I've heard nothing. Maybe you've seen something. I've heard nothing about Illinois not thinking about playing this week against Minnesota. No, I haven't heard anything either monitoring the, the Twitter scape. I'm obviously not as connected as you, so you, you would know better than I would. But, no, Illinois and Purdue both had concerns or have had concerns recently, and they've still played. They haven't made the decision to shut it down, even though they're not in that red, red mark that you mentioned. And it's hard to blame places for being overly cautious in a time like this. But also, if you have the opportunity to play, it's already a shortened season. I think that's the approach Nebraska's taken. And obviously, Nebraska hasn't had an outbreak like this, fingers crossed. It doesn't happen. We don't get to that point down here in the 402. 
but man, I find it hard to hard to stomach, especially if I'm a, a player at Wisconsin and you see all these other schools that yeah. are making the call to play. Your school could be making the same call. They're shutting it down. I'd be scratching my head a little bit. Well, you're right. There is that six-game limit. You have to play six games to be eligible to compete in the Big Ten championship game, and the Badgers are the overwhelming favorites to win the West. Now, what's happened now, they have canceled two games within their division. I mean, they've canceled the Nebraska game, and now they've canceled the Purdue game, and so they can't miss another game or they're not eligible to win the West and play uh, against the East winner on December the 19th. So they're up against it now. They, they can't have any more outbreaks. And, and here's the thing that, that, to me, Austin, has not gotten much attention. What are they doing or what are they not doing up in Madison, Wisconsin? Because they had the, the outbreak in mid-September that they had to shut down practices until the end of the month. That was one of the reasons why I believe – that the start date for Big Ten football wasn't until the 24th of October because Wisconsin's going, we, we can't even get on the practice field until September the 30th. So what are they not doing up there that it seems like the other 12, 13 schools in the league are? It really makes you wonder, and especially at a place like Wisconsin where you know they're, what's their entire football team based on? They're not the most talented. They're, they're disciplined. They do things the right way. They take care of their business. And here they are struggling with something like this. It, you know, it's a testament to the other 12 or 13 schools that are doing a good job with it, but you would think of all the places Wisconsin would figure out some way to have it under control just given the, the ethos of that program of Barry Alvarez and Paul Chris and what that program has stood for. Well, it's a bizarre. it's been a bizarre thing. I know the folks, I know the Badger players have to be frustrated. You're right. They're sitting back, and they're going to miss two straight weekends now of no football. And we'll see, you know, Purdue's probably not going to like this, although Purdue saw Nebraska attempt to do something last week about it and get slapped down. They're going to just fall in line to the Boilermakers and say, ah, we'll take our bye week now, and we've played two games and try to get better and move along. And you're right, here's Purdue. The Purdue sitting here at 2-0 going, this this may not be a bad thing for the Boilermakers, right? I mean, they kind of benefit from this thing because they've already got two wins, against divisional opponents and now they don't they don't have to play the heavy in the division right and that's the thing they're scheduled to their next game then comes against northwestern which Mm -hmm. will be a big one who's tied with them at the top of the standings then minnesota so those are two big ones but not having to play wisconsin who like you said the favorite in the division going into the year that's a big deal that is a leg up for purdue you know another bye week to prepare for northwestern who nebraska is going to play it'll be a similar ish look for Northwestern against uh, Nebraska and Purdue there but the Nebraska cancellation last week I think is a big deal too Greg that two in a row for Wisconsin where these are teams that had their sights on Wisconsin these were big games for Nebraska and Purdue this was a yep. measuring stick for Nebraska especially now for Purdue at 2-0 and going into this week this game meant something to both teams it's gone you have to wait till next year to see it yeah all right uh, last night Ben and I both kind of poked it at the press conference that Scott Frost held yesterday about it seemed like most of the questions were trying to be gotcha questions trying to be to get coach Frost to say something again that the national media could jump on trying to get coach Frost to disagree with a league decision whether it be not allowing them to play the non-conference game or to, to attack the suspensions for the targeting rules again we didn't learn anything really, Austin, about is Luke Reimer going to be able to play this week? What about who's going to play 
for Cam Tanner Brent and Deontay Williams in the second half. Uh, is Omar Manning closer to getting on the field? I would have thought some of those questions would have come up yesterday. None of those things can now. Now maybe tomorrow the assistant coaches those things will come up. And again, Coach Frost comes back up on Thursday. I'm sure he's going to get asked. Those are the things that are going through my mind right now. With the extra practice time, is that going to allow the very talented Omar Manning a chance to play? Some uh, he he tweeted after the Ohio State game. Can't wait to get back on the practice field on Monday. So you got to feel like he's had two full weeks of practice. Luke Reimer, who had a foot injury that kept him out from playing against the Buckeyes, you'd think the time off would do him some good. Those are the things that I'm curious about. I mean, I know you got to do the due duty and ask Coach Frost about, are you upset you didn't get to play Chattanooga? Well, I mean, but, man, there was some stuff I thought we would learn yesterday that we didn't. I know, and some of that, like you say, you, know, you have to ask it. It's somewhat topical given that it comes from your last game. But on the other hand, I'm of the mind that don't you want to make things as normal as you possibly can in this time? Like, I just want to go back to talking about depth charts. You know, where can we improve? Who's going to play? Those are the kind of questions that – I'm with you. That's normal football talk. It's stuff that the head man's going to have the best insight on. You would think he's going to be in charge of a lot of those decisions. He would know the depth, who's going to play. I'm with you. Those are the questions I think that are usually at the forefront that have gotten pushed pushed behind with, with the narratives and the headlines being thrown around. So I don't necessarily blame them for asking them, but I, I, I can't can't celebrate the day that a lot of those questions aren't turned on. It's more about the the depth chart and the 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 on-the-field football stuff. We're back. Tuesday night, Sports Island here on the Husker Sports Network. Greg Sharp with you. Excited to be into another game week for Husker football. Got one in, got one canceled. Not hearing anything about problems with this Saturday's game. I hope that doesn't change in the next couple of days. One guy that knows is ready to... Watch and write more about Husker football joins us now. That's Evan Bland of the Omaha World Herald. You can also read his work online at omaha.com. Kind of like uh, that, that car, it's got a little bit of an issue. Get it rolling, it kind of halts, and then you get it going again, and it halts. So hopefully hopefully we got her going now. We got her jump started and ready to roll, right? Man, I think the, the the tone of the press conference this week, I think, sums it up, man. I think we're all just kind of set up. Let's Let's get some football. Let's get some kind of a rhythm going. It's been crazy. No doubt. Um, you know, and I, I I felt like Coach Frost, he, he's he's kind of had his fill of it, too. And, you know, and I mentioned this in the opening segment of the show, the questions that he got yesterday, you have to ask. You hadn't had a chance to ask him about the possibility of playing Chattanooga last week. That had to be asked. You had to ask him about, did he get any more clarification on the targetings for Cam Tater Britt? But, man, I, he, I'm sure he's just like, God, can we just talk more X's and O's? And you can almost kind of see it in his face yesterday. Did you, did you get that vibe too? Sure. Yeah. I mean, and you know, we're on the other end of it asking questions and it's like, there's only so much you can ask when you're, you played one game in almost a full year yeah. and you know, you, you want to talk about an opponent, but uh, you have no other game that you're coming off of. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough situation um, we would love more tape to look at. We'd love more plays that the players are making to talk about. We'd love, uh, you know, some other, some new storylines, man. It's just been, it's been kind of a grind, and certainly they're feeling it on their end. And uh, <laughs> like you said, they probably set a record for the most practices with, with one actual football game uh, in college football history. That's not a record that you want, and uh, I'm just thankful for some football on Saturday. What did you make of the of the two quarterbacks that that played in that Ohio State game? Was that the way you thought it would go, or what? What, what were your observations as you watched that unfold in front of you? 
Well, I think you had to be excited by that first uh, Luke McCaffrey run. And uh, it was kind of funny up in the press box there at Ohio State. They had a couple of writers who had no idea what was happening. They said, who is that guy? Who's number seven? They, they had no idea. And so I don't think we uh, necessarily expected that. Maybe, you know, Adrian Martinez handing off to Luke McCaffrey. Um, it's, it's been interesting to hear the coaches talk about it in the last year because Scott Frost, Mario Verduzco, uh, everyone's been pretty – you know, consistent that Luke McCaffrey is a quarterback, but they've always kind of left open the door that, well, if there's another way that he can help the team, you know, we'll see. And I think credit to Luke McCaffrey too, for being one of those kids who said, let me just get on the field. It's, it's a blessing to be on there. However you want to use me. Um, so yeah, that's, that's good for him. And, um, you know, as we saw in the game, I mean, he's already one, he could be one of Nebraska's best running backs or best wide receivers. If that's the way they wanted to use him. And um, I think it was kind of fun just to see the, all the creative ways he was out there, taking handoffs, took a pass or caught a pass, uh, threw some passes late, let some drives. And, uh, you know, at the absolute minimum, if nothing else, uh, that film is going to give Northwestern and everybody else a little something else to worry about, something else to plan for. And uh, I think it's safe to say that Scott Frost and company, they're going to probably have some new tricks up their sleeve here this weekend. I'm going to use a bit of a baseball term, and that's okay. I can do that with you because you cover Husker baseball as well. But in a way, it's kind of a platoon situation in some ways as I see it with Adrian and Luke. Um, it, it takes two kids that are willing to go along with that, and you mentioned Luke. But for Adrian, a two-year starter, he, he's got he's to sh- kind of kick his ego to the curb a little bit too. How do, how do you think he's handled it? And he's been asked quite a bit about this type of thing, hasn't he? He has, and he's, you know, Adrian Martinez has handled himself very well on the at the podium and in the interviews in, in the last couple of years, and even when he struggled, you know, to his credit, he mm-hmm. has uh, almost without fail come out and addressed it and taken responsibility. Uh, you know, that shows a lot of maturity, and, and certainly uh, when it comes to this idea of a platoon, I mean, for him, selfishly, that means his role in some form or fashion is being uh, changed or diminished. And, and he has uh, said, yeah, I mean, he, his number one priority is for the program and for the, the team and for, you know, getting victories. And so if they, if the coaches feel like that's the way to go, then he's been behind that. He's back to McCaffrey, uh, you know, every step of the way in terms of showing him the ropes and teaching him the offense whenever he might've uh, needed any help. And I think what's interesting, the platoon situation, Greg, is that it's not maybe your standard uh, situation where you have maybe uh, the, the more athletically gifted kid comes in and kind of runs a wildcat type set, and you know that's probably what he's going to do. I mean, Luke McCaffrey uh, is a is just as talented a passer as Adrian Martinez. I mean, you really don't know how they're going to use him. I mean, that's someone again who can catch passes, take handoffs. They feel just fine with him throwing the ball or pulling it down and making something happen with his feet and taking snaps too. So he's really, I think more than almost any platoon system I can think of, he, he brings a versatility to it uh, that's got to give defensive coordinators headaches as they play in this thing out because you just don't know how he's going to be used on a, on a week-to-week basis. And, and in this case, there's one one you know game of film for Northwestern to look at. It'll be really interesting to see how the Nebraska coaches build on this thing this weekend. Buckle up and put the phone down. A reminder from the NDOT Highway Safety Office. Visiting with Evan Bland of the Omaha World Herald. You can read his work online at omaha.com. Tim Fitz, uh, Pat Fitzgerald thinks that um, the Huskers have a big advantage because they had last week off and he had to play Iowa. Coach Frost really wasn't buying that, was he? 
<laughs> no, he wasn't. And and to me, that was one of the most refreshing parts of the week because it actually felt like a game week where there's some, <laughs> some uh, you know, some gamesmanship going on on the one hand where, yeah, Pat Fitzgerald's saying, oh, yeah, they didn't play last week. They they have this extra time to scout. I mean, advantage them. And Scott Frost and some of the players have, have kind of responded and said, hey, not so fast. You know, uh, we would love that second game. We wanted to play. Uh, oftentimes, teams' improvement, biggest their biggest jumps come from game one to game two. Uh, so, so they felt like they wanted to be out there, of course. And uh, as Scott Frost said, you know, maybe if that bye week, that unexpected, unwanted bye week came in week seven or eight, that's one thing. But after one week, after you haven't played for, what was it, 330 days, uh, that's probably not a luxury you, you need or want at that point. So uh, I liked it. I liked the gamesmanship. Um you know, this is a series that's been tight pretty much uh, without fail ever since these two teams have been uh, in the Big Ten together. And um, I, I would imagine that both coaches are expecting another good game this weekend. So why not throw a few barbs out there and a few, uh, you know, little comments to give the other side <laughs> some sort of, something to think about. I love it. I, I actually think that – I think Fitz is probably one of the more popular coaches in the league. I think most of the coaches in the league get along with him pretty well. So I, you, that, that one you can have some fun with it. I want to ask you about a couple guys and your observations of what you saw in week one. And let's start on the offensive side with Bryce Benhart making his first start at that right tackle position against a pretty good defensive front of Ohio State. What were your observations of Bryce and, what, and talking to some of the guys afterwards? What, you, how do you feel like he played? Yeah, you know, with Bryce, I I would often think back to what Greg Austin said in the preseason about him being one of those blue-headed guys. So you have the your, your red-headed guys, which maybe get uh, caught up in the moment uh, emotionally or whatever, and, and he had always observed Ben Hart to be a blue-headed guy. And so I think that showed up in the opener. I mean, yes, Ohio State's defensive line was pretty inexperienced, but those are, you know, four- and five-star type athletes over there. And for the most part, he, he really did hold his own. Um, and, I mean, what a test for your first career start on the road at the horseshoe. Uh, you know, you, you look back on the game, you can kind of go through some of the film and see there really weren't some any, very many blow-ups at all on his side of the line. And, uh, you know, just what he did to earn that start in the first place, um, I think is pretty notable considering the fact that Nebraska could have rolled out all five of its Starters from last year on the offensive line had it so uh, chosen, but it felt so good about Ben Hart that it could move uh, Matt Farniak inside to right guard and put Ben Hart out there at tackle. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think the future is bright for this kid. It's somebody who, uh, you know, in my kind of lay opinion, is someone you can kind of plug and play for the next two or three years for Nebraska and say this is someone who can lock it down and who you're going to feel pretty good about. Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, Coach Frost was asked about him. La- I think last week's press conference, and he 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 smiled a little bit when he talked about Bryce. So I'm going to go to defense next, and a guy that I didn't know what to expect and wasn't even really sure he, if he would play, and that's Phil Darius Payne. He made a couple plays. Looked like that could be a guy that could be a help for this football team. What did you observe of Phil Darius? Yeah, he was. Uh, I think one of the more pleasant surprises, uh, especially along that front seven. And as we know, like. He came in as a defensive lineman, someone who they thought maybe would rush the passer, and, and he kind of is anyway as an outside linebacker. He just might not be, you know, putting his hand in the dirt uh, necessarily as a, as a as an end, but more as an outside linebacker type. And um, yeah, I mean, you, you saw him in third down kind of passing type situations, and, and that's what Nebraska brought him in for from the junior college level was to 
get after the passer. And, and I've spoken with some of his previous coaches who said, you know, he has this ability to make guys miss that you just can't teach, especially in small spaces where, you know, you go to block him and boom, he's around you just like that. And so I don't believe he, uh, I'm trying to think back. I don't believe he had any uh, TFLs in that game particularly, but I do think he had some pressures and altered some plays. And, you know, as, as we know with that outside linebacker position, um, you know, beyond Jojo Doman, Caleb Tanner, maybe Garrett Nelson, there's not a ton of kind of ready-made depth at that spot. And so for him to be thrown into that situation and to hold his own and, and hopefully, um, you know, give Nebraska more of a pass-rushing element that it hasn't had, uh, I think that's pretty encouraging for one week. And, and just kind of like with everybody else, you want to see if he can build on it, but that's a pretty good start. Again, visiting Evan Bland of the Omaha World Herald. Read his work online at omaha.com. Okay, here come the Cats. This series has been amazing how close these games and matchups have been. Two years ago, it was an overtime game. Last year, it was a walk-off kick from Lane McCallum from Norfolk, Nebraska, to give the Huskers uh, a victory. Uh, Is there any reason to not expect that kind of game again on Saturday between these two? Uh, I, I do think it's going to be another good one, Craig. I mean, it's all kind of setting up that way. Uh, you know, Northwestern likes to run the ball with their new uh, offensive coordinator, Mike Bajaki, and they like to to pound it and to kill some clock if they can, but kind of at an up-tempo speed, which might be a little different than what Nebraska's seen in the past. Um, you know, I think big picture with this particular matchup, it's in a lot of ways it's kind of how it's been the last few years where – Northwestern is such a known quantity. You know, it's, it, it is what it is on offense. Uh, it has an above-average defense with really good linebacker play. Um, it's, it's going to wow you with the recruiting classes that it pulls in. But, man, it's, it's not going to hurt itself with penalties. It's going to be smart with the football. And it's just going to capitalize on mistakes. And then, you know, I, I think the story is similar uh, with Nebraska, too, in past years where they've got the talent. Um you just want to see it kind of come together on the field where, where the penalties don't hurt you, where the flags don't come into play. Um, you know, Nebraska certainly has the talent to win this game. Um, to me, they just need to kind of prove this – is, this is kind of one of those prove-it games where uh, if the program really is taking that, that corner, make, taking that turn, um, you, you got to avoid the quarterback fumbles. You have to avoid, uh, you know, backing yourself up on certain drives that can turn the game. And, you know – Again, Nebraska's had more than enough practices to kind of work through this, but ultimately they need to go out there and show it. And if they do, this is the kind of game that can turn the West Division race and make this thing really interesting down the stretch. But if they, you know, fall back uh, kind of into some of their old ways, you got to like Northwestern's chances too. So I think it's a really interesting game, particularly in a West Division where you kind of have learned a lot about the other teams. But to me, Nebraska and Northwestern are kind of the two left where you're like, man, this. I think there's a lot we can learn about both sides here on Saturday. Yeah, no doubt. Are you making making this trip? Yeah, yep. Sam McEwen and I will be rumbling across I-80 out uh, to Evanston and see what's what. So it's going to be really odd without fans. But, yeah, we'll be there. Going to get you some deep dish while you're in, in, the, in the Windy City? Well, you know, maybe this is controversial, but I'm not, I'm not a deep not, dish guy. I think not a fan. Okay. One, one one of those pieces it just sits with you. I'm more of a New York uh, style yeah. guy or, or thin crust, and they have some of that too. But I try to avoid the deep dish. It just it doesn't work out well. 
Oh, that's all right. Uh, you, my, my wife's the same way. She likes that thin crust, not that deep dish stuff. Evan, we appreciate it as always. Enjoy the rest of the week, and let's let's get this let's get this football back underway, huh? Sounds great, Greg. Thanks a lot. Sports Nightly here on the Husker Sports Network, live on a Tuesday night. Appreciate everybody dialing us up here this evening. Well, we've been chatting with a number of former Huskers in recent weeks, and. Uh, all about what's been happening with them in our Cornhusker conversations, and we've had a few of them this week. And uh, Luke McCaffrey was nice enough to sit down with us uh, in a couple of weeks ago, actually, right when the quarterback uh, controversy was over and he was named the backup quarterback. We saw Luke uh, a handful of times against Ohio State in the backfield and taking snaps at quarterback. He was nice enough to give us a few minutes, and here's what Luke McCaffrey had to say in our chat. Enjoy. It feels incredible. It's it's nice. It's it's exciting and liberating at the same time. So we we can't wait until we can finally put it on against another team. I know they always tell you, you know, ever since probably in high school, you know, treat every game and every practice like it's it's your last. But what type of feeling is it now, knowing everything we've been through the last six months, putting on those pads, and what type of approach you have to maybe every workout, every practice, every film session that that you know you're preparing for a game that we didn't know was going to happen. Yeah, throughout all this, that, that analogy probably came a little more true than I could ever imagine. We we never knew if it would be our last practice, if it would be our last uh, lift of the year. So going forward, we have that mentality. We're, we're just going to work our hardest, and and whatever happens is is uh, is our best. Luke, I'm used to talking to to you players throughout the calendar year, so I, I kind of get a sense of how things are going. That hasn't been the case. You guys have been all over the place. You've been home. You've been isolated. You've been, um, you, you know, we haven't had a chance to hear from you. And, and, and one of the things that I've gathered talking to you and, and a couple of your teammates, you know, the last week or so is that this, 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 this experience really brought you guys closer together as a team. What, what was it about this experience and this craziness of an offseason that's really going to help you guys on Saturdays? Definitely. Uh, everything was crazy, and, and through that all, it, it brings out who the leaders on our team are. And, and we had some guys step up, like Matt Forniak, Brendan Hymas, to name a couple, who who really helped bring the team together and make sure everybody's working out. I saw Diedrich Mills has been here forever. And through this, we have to get creative. Not everything can be relied on the staff and, and on things going around here. So we really had to build together as a team to think of creative ways that we were allowed to do simple things like work out. And so... So through that, it brings us closer as friends, as teammates, and most importantly, as people looking for the same goal. Luke, when we were going through this kind of hiatus, I'm sure you had a lot of time to reflect on on last season. And and really, to be honest, you haven't really had a normal a normal set of circumstances yet while you're on campus with the injuries to to Adrian and Noah last year and playing wide receiver at times. And you you haven't really had any normalcy yet. Uh, what, when you think about last year and everything that you learned, what 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 was the biggest takeaway you had about what college football was all about? But more importantly, what what Coach Frost was going to ask you to do to help this football team uh, one of the biggest things is to just keep moving forward you know I don't, I don't like to hone in on last year too much what, whatever happened in the past has happened and getting that experience is something that that is great and to bring into the future is incredible but this year is a new team it's a new environment and and we're excited to just strap it on and see what see what we can do the coaches have, have talked a lot about the camp that you and adrian have had and competing with one another and i know you know, you guys make each other better, but what is it about Adrian as a quarterback and as a person that, 
that you really appreciate and you lean on maybe when you're not having your best day, you're not as motivated, you know, we're human. We got good and bad days. It's like everybody else. What is it about Adrian that, that provides comfort for you? There's a lot. Ever since I got here, I'm so blessed to have, have a leader, have a guy ahead of me who, who can really take me in, take me under his wing. And so ever since I got here, he's helped teach me the offense, helped get me connected with everybody on the team. And so just to have a guy who, who's so well-rounded like Adrian is something that, that is a blessing as a, as a younger guy. And so to have him here, I've been thankful for since I got here. It's going to be funny, man. The older that you get, the, 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 the more that this conversation, that question I just asked you is going to translate to you being the older guy. That can already kind of be the case with Logan. What's it been like, you know, knowing a, a young man is we're at where you just were a year ago and he's looking to you just like you looked up to other quarterbacks a year ago? Yeah, it's great. If I can do half as much as Adrian and some of the older guys that were here last year did for me to help help improve and, and help grow as a person, then I would be happy. I, I would feel good as a person. But uh, to watch Logan come in and be able to run the offense efficiently and to, to make some plays is something that's really cool. It's, it's, it's nice watching somebody younger be able to do that. Luke McCaffrey, Nebraska quarterback with us here on Sports Nightly. I'm Ben McLaughlin. Luke, I know the off season for, for a lot of your teammates is all about hitting the weights, putting on weight, getting more agility, you know, doing all those things that are required. It's a little bit different as a quarterback. I know some of those things probably still apply, but for you, what was your focus this offseason with Coach Duvall and how you wanted to maybe change your body, but at the same time still do the things that offensively that you're, you're being asked to do? Yeah, Coach Duvall and Coach Stroud both helped a lot with with gaining some weight but maintaining speed and so that's something that in this offense in this conference and and at this school is very vital is being able to maintain that quick twitch while also being able to pack a punch and so that's something that we've all been working on Luke when you look at some of the dynamics that that are changing from last year to this year one of them is is a new offensive coordinator with coach Lubick tell us a little bit about getting to know him again I hate to keep harping on it but the circumstances this offseason you can't just walk into his office and get to know him like you would you would have been able to last year but what's this process been like for you getting to know him and what his philosophies are and how he's going to help us it's been great he's going to help a ton so far he's he's done a very good job of all around, not only with the receivers, but with the entire offense, having an application of detail into our offense and being able to really hone in on the specifics while maintaining that physical attitude and that, that physical edge. Luke, what we haven't had a chance to really get to know him yet, but what's his personality like? You know, you're in a meeting room with him and he's explaining stuff. How, how would you explain him and, and kind of, you know, to somebody that's never met him? Uh, the, the best way to explain it is just excited. He's, he's a guy who loves to loves to be around the game and loves football as a whole. The best example uh, that comes to mind is every time a, a play works, he's the first guy on film on the tape you can see with his arms up excited. So, so he's excited when things work. You know, he, He's a creative mind and, and something that, that's very beneficial to, to our program. Talking with Luke McCaffrey, Nebraska quarterback here on Sports Nightly. Luke, I'm, I'm sure one thing that, that you've probably noticed throwing some passes to your teammates, you, you, have, you have some bigger bodies to throw to now. I mean, it's, it's probably easy to notice 6'4", six, 6'5", six, out there. How, how would you characterize uh, your receiving core and how much it's changed from last year to this year and, and how much improvement you've seen from, from the guys you're throwing balls to? 
Oh, there's a there's a lot of improvement. Some of that has to do with Coach Lubick. A lot of it has to do with some of the individuals too. It's nice to see some young guys like Alante Brown and and guys like that step up. Will Nixon was doing really well, but uh, along with that, we have the combination of Cade Warner and uh, and Wandell, some guys like that who who are experienced and coming back. And so that that mixture of the young young up-and-coming guys with the the veterans who have maybe already proved themselves a little bit is something that's exciting it's it's something that's going to be dangerous and and i'm excited to see how we can mix that in and get get everyone the ball and and get our weapons in space as a quarterback it's important to to have good relationship with those receivers and coach frost talked a lot last year about you know being on the same page with the wide receivers making sure you know receivers are getting open what does that mean to you and how do you approach that of of building that relationship that rapport with wide receivers and you know knowing knowing when to throw the ball in and out of breaks all that type of stuff that's required to to make a connection work yeah, that's one of the details with with such a weird off season. We got more one on one work with each other, and so that timing, that that anticipation that comes with playing the game was really evolved from Cade Warner getting the receivers and the quarterbacks all meeting together and being able to throw one on one, talk o- talk over routes, and be able to really detail those so that that when we get into the game and into practice scenarios, we can apply those details. Luke, I'll let you go with this one. You talked a little bit earlier in the press conference about some time that you got with your family, and and to me that that that, that spoke pretty loudly. You know, you've, your brothers are all over the country playing football. Your dad played football his entire career. Your mom's been supporting the football players, you know, for probably as long as she can remember. That time home when when you and and Dylan and and Connor and you know your dad, what, what, when you think back to that time, what what truly stands out about about that time that you're able to spend at home and you know, and even just not talking football with your brothers, just about life and uh, and how important that was to you being being in Lincoln now. Just that relationship that gets to be built while while being around somebody twenty four seven is huge. That's something that since I was little have kind of lacked with my brothers. We we've always had constant communication, but being able to be around each other and and understand each other to a to a higher level something that that was so valuable and, and I cherished it while it was happening and and I look back and cherish it now but I, I'm so thankful for being able to build stronger relationships with my brother along with learn from him that that's something that was huge when it comes to football is just seeing how how each of my brothers act how they all do things and how how they handle their work it, it was something that's inspiring Okay, well, I'm sure I'm asking for, for the entire state of listening right now. What is a, a typical dinner with all the McCaffrey boys at a dinner table like? What are the conversations that are, that are typically being thrown around a dinner table? It's, it's usually pretty, uh, pretty normal, what you would expect, <laughs> and then one person starts an argument and, and the whole thing goes downhill. <laughs> Where uh, it doesn't even have to be about anything important, but but they're all so competitive that that somebody's always right, and so so that that's probably one of the most fun things that can happen. <laughs> oh God, I can only imagine what a what a, what a, a family monopoly game at Christmas time turns into <laughs> at the McCaffrey household. I'm sure it's just something to behold. Luke, it's great to hear from you, man. It's great to hear you're doing well. I know your body's in great shape. Hearing from your coaches. Um, I'm sure it's exciting to be out there on the practice field. We're about two weeks from game time, man. Get get that um, offensive playbook down and look forward to seeing you out there at the Horseshoe in Columbus. Thanks a lot for the time today. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me.
There's Luke McCaffrey, Nebraska quarterback, with us here on Sports Nightly. Again, appreciate his time giving us uh, that uh, very much. Callers and guests into the program, join us on our Woodhouse Auto Family Hotline, bringing you more choices and brands, locations, and service experience. The difference, purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. we got more Sports Nightly coming up.